Well, good morning and welcome, Crossroads. I am so glad that you have joined us today from wherever you are watching. The bottom line is I am excited today to have the opportunity to help connect you with God. It's a great day here at Crossroads at our Goshen campus and our Mishawaka campus. We are celebrating changed lives through baptism, and there is nothing better than being able to celebrate a changed life. Because at the end of the day, when we take a look at the life of Jesus, when we look at the 44 miracles that he performed throughout the four Gospels that we see in the New Testament, what you realize is that Jesus desperately wants you to know him. He wants you to become more like him. And when someone connects with God, when we are able to celebrate that life that has been changed by him, there's nothing better because that's what life is all about. That is what matters more than anything else. And so I'm thrilled today to be celebrating changed lives, people who have encountered Jesus and who are forever changed. And I want you to remember today, as we dive into this miracle, an amazing miracle, the transfiguration of Jesus, I want you to remember that at the end of the day, what really matters is that you are becoming more like Jesus. He came on, on, to this earth on a specific mission to seek and to save that which was lost. And so he is just absolutely enamored with you. He desperately and deeply loves you. And he wants you to become more and more like him because when we do this, it changes everything. It changes our own life. It changes the lives of people around us. When we encounter that love of Jesus... It's got to change us, and we become more like him. So let's think about that as we dive into Scripture today, and, and specifically this miracle, the transfiguration of Jesus that we see in Matthew 17. Now, before we dive into this extraordinary moment in the life of Jesus and his disciples, I think it's really important to step back a few verses and get context for what's happening, because the story begins in Matthew 17 by saying, six days later, this happened. Well, wait a second. Let's look back and see what happened six days before this. And what you see is Jesus is beginning to talk with his disciples. He's entered this part of his journey on earth where he's starting to focus on the reality that he is about to go to the cross. He is about to be crucified. He is about about to fulfill this mission of laying himself down as a sacrifice for our sins so we could have freedom, so we could have salvation, so we could have eternal life. This is becoming forefront on his mind. And so he's starting to tell his disciples plainly, listen, guys, in, in just a short time, I am going to be killed. And in three days after I am dead, I am going to rise again from the grave. He was saying this more and more frequently to the disciples, but they couldn't quite understand what he was saying, because it just didn't make sense. So in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is saying this to his disciples, and here's what it says. Just listen to these words. It says, but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Can you imagine that? Reprimanding Jesus? Like, no, Jesus, I think you're mistaken here. Whoa, hold on, Peter. Here he goes again, right? So it says, heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. It says in this moment that Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. And catch what Jesus says here. This is important. He says, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. This is really important because this is a trap that we have to avoid falling into. When I start seeing life from a human point of view, just from my own point of view, attempting to take on the world on my own power, you know, on my own might, instead of trusting in God, instead of seeing things through an eternal lens, through that eternal perspective that God has created me in, when I forget to focus on who God is and that eternal purpose and plan that he has for me, I begin missing, on, I begin missing out on what God is doing and what he's trying to do in me and through me. Remember, Jesus is very focused on you becoming more like him. 
And when we take our eyes off of that prize, we get distracted. We start going down a path that leads in a very opposite direction. And I got to be honest, it's hard for me. I stand here as your pastor saying, it's hard for me. Sometimes I take my eyes off the prize. I start doing things on my own and that never leads anywhere good. That's when I experience dry moments in my spiritual walk with God. And if I'm being totally transparent and vulnerable, over the last month, four to six weeks, I've struggled. It's been harder for me to lean into Jesus and, and listen to what he's been saying to me because I've been doing a lot of things, a lot of responsibilities, a lot of chaos behind the scenes that I've been trying to navigate. And when you try to navigate leading a church through COVID-19, man, it gets heavy sometimes because there's just a lot of uncertainty. And these are the times more than ever where, when, when the storms of life are crashing around you, like what we talked about last week, that you just keep your eyes focused on Jesus that you don't fall into the trap of, of looking at this world through the human point of view and lose track of what it is that God is doing, what he is trying to do in you and through you. Because when we forget to look at things through, the, the, through Jesus' point of view, we miss out on what he is doing. So this conversation continues. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. I mean, this is the ultimate description of a changed life. I'm no longer going to do life on my own terms. I'm focusing on Jesus, who he is, who he is calling me to be. I am going to live with that eternal perspective in mind. This is the game changer. When you experience that forgiveness of your sin, you realize you have been set free, that the creator of your soul who loves you with an everlasting love, has you have encountered that love and it has changed you. Your whole trajectory for life has changed forever. Everything is, is changed. It is a different reality. You are focused on that eternal perspective, and you're not merely focused on things through that human point of view anymore. Life is richer. Life is more meaningful. It's more significant because you are dearly and deeply loved by God. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you, and it is an eternal plan. It's not just temporary. This is big. And so Jesus is pointing out, hey, this is a big deal. You need to become more like me because that is where life is lived to the fullest. When you're focused on Jesus and his point of view, that makes life so much bigger. It makes life so much more meaningful. It makes your life so much more significant because you're focusing on the things of God. And that's what you were created for. God wants you to become more like him. And when we take our eyes off that prize, that's when we find ourselves dry. That's when we find ourselves in the wilderness because we're not keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. So it goes on to say in the previous chapter, Jesus said, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is a powerful statement. They've, they've all got to probably be scratching their heads going, wait, what are you talking about? Some of us standing here are not going to die before we see you coming into your kingdom. What does that even mean, Jesus? Well, that's why we needed context, because here's what it says in Matthew 17. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them to a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. This is a significant moment. Jesus, with his three closest friends, Peter, James, and John, takes them to the mountain where his whole appearance is transformed. The transfiguration of Jesus, 
they are able to see a glimpse of the glory of God. That veil is lifted, and they're able to see Jesus as he really is. This is an amazing moment because the, transfig- the transfiguration revealed the nature of God. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. There is no one like him. And in this unbelievable moment, Peter, James, and John have this veil lifted, and they see without anything you know, barricading them from it, the entirety of the glory of God. This is significant. This is a moment that changes things. And I think what we have to wrap our minds around is the fact that the real miracle here is not that Jesus transfigured in front of them and allowed them to see his glory. The real miracle is that Jesus was walking around on planet Earth without anyone being able to see that glory. That was the miracle. He was hiding that. And they were able to get a glimpse of just the magnitude of the power and the glory of God. And they were able to realize that, man... This is who he is. This is his nature. He is completely other. He is holy. There is no one like our God. And they're realizing this is Jesus. This is who we've been walking with and talking about and eating with and drinking with. This is the person we've been doing life with. He is God. This is a moment that changed everything. And it goes on. It says, suddenly, it's like it keeps getting better. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaims, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I I love this moment because, I mean, Peter's just overwhelmed. Remember, Peter's that guy who just says stuff. He says stuff without thinking, and he's overwhelmed in this moment. He has seen the glory of God. He is in the presence of, of the holy of holies, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I mean, he is in the presence of God. Moses appears, Elijah appears, these two amazing prophets from the Old Testament. And he realizes, this is amazing. I mean, that's basically what he's saying. He's going, wow, we get to be a part of this moment. It's like Christmas morning. He's getting ready to open his presents. He's excited to be there. This is wonderful. Let's make a memorial for this moment, for each of you, for you, Jesus, and you, Moses. Hey, Moses, and Elijah, this is great. I mean, he's overwhelmed by the amazing moment that he is experiencing. He is experiencing the presence of God. The invisible has been made visible. He's realizing right now that he has seen Moses. He has seen Elijah. All these promises of God of a future reality and eternal life with God himself, it's real. He's seen these guys, the people he's heard of, the heroes of old. Moses and Elijah are there. They're talking. They're having an intimate conversation with Jesus these great heroes of old that have gone before us, this, this life, this eternal life, this hope of eternity with Jesus is real. The invisible has been made visible. It's happening. He's experiencing this in real time. It's an extraordinary thing. And so the transfiguration, it reveals that this next life with God is real. This is happening. This is reality. This is that eternal perspective. This is the reality that, man, I can't look at things in life through that human perspective. No, I cannot fall into that trap. I have to stay focused on who God is, his very nature, and realize that this next life that he promises us, this hope that we have in eternity is real. Peter, James, and John, they get a glimpse of the glory. They are able to see with their very own eyes that this is real This is who God is, and this is the life that we have to look forward to. It's an amazing 
moment. It's a moment like none other. It goes on to say, but even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and they fell face down on the ground. This is a big moment. They're looking at Jesus who's been transfigured. He looks like a beam of light. Moses has appeared. Elijah has appeared. Peter's saying, this is wonderful. And then it says that the presence of God settles over them. It's a cloud. It's a light. And from this, vo- from this the voice speaks, this is my son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. And in this moment, it's, it becomes too overwhelming. Peter, James, and John, all of them, they are just terrified now. And they just bow before God. They recognize the reality of, of the fact that they are glimpsing the holiest of holies. Truly, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They're realizing we aren't worthy to be in his presence. This is something that we were not prepared for. And they're realizing the nearness of God. And that's what we see in this transfiguration. The reality that God is near. What I love in the Old Testament is when you see the glory of God revealed, it's described as this glory of God that you see in this story, the cloud settling, the light. You see all of this through the Old Testament, especially in the temple. It, it says over and over again in Scripture that the presence of God would settle in the temple, and it was described as this Shekinah glory of God. And people would be able to recognize that the presence of God is in this place. God is here. And I think a lot of times we forget the reality that because of what Jesus has done for us, when I ask Jesus to forgive me my sins, to come into my heart, to make me new, my body becomes the temple of God. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, lives in me. God is present in my life. He is here. And there is no one like him. And I think we take that for granted sometimes. I think we forget the significance of who we have the, uh, the opportunity to be with at all times. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, creator God is near. Uh, about 12 years ago, I, I lived down in, in Lakeland, Florida, and I used to work out at Gold's Gym with a guy named Mark. And his job that, that he got to do all the time was that he was part of a, a group called as the Omega Force. And this is one of those Christian muscle man teams that would go around performing feats of strength. He was pretty huge. I mean, the guy was ripped, but he was a lot of fun. We had a good time laughing and just hanging out and working out. Obviously, he lifted a lot more weight than I did. I'm not going to lie. I tried. I could not keep up. Uh, but he invited me to go to one of his, his shows one night. And I didn't really think about it. I'd never really thought about how big of a deal this guy was until I show up at a stadium. There's thousands of people gathered to see this team perform their feats of strength. And there's my friend Mark. As the grand finale comes, the lights shine down on the spotlight. He's about ready to jump off a 30-foot high scaffolding onto a tower of bricks that he's going to break with his elbow. And you're going, this is crazy. Sure enough, there's my friend Mark. Jumps off the scaffolding like Superman with his elbow, breaks a mountain of blocks, and is the extraordinary pinnacle of a night that was just filled with all kinds of craziness. And you realize, holy smoke, 
This is the guy I work out with every day. This is amazing. I had no idea. I took for granted that I knew this guy. He has all kinds of influence. He's changed thousands of people's, of, of, of people's lives by connecting them with Jesus. It was a pretty amazing revelation to realize, oh, I have a relationship with this guy. This is pretty cool. That doesn't compare at all to the reality that we have a relationship, an intimate and personal relationship with God. When the disciples, when Peter, James, and John have this moment where they encounter the Shekinah glory of God, God's presence literally resting upon them in a cloud of light, God's voice speaking to them over Jesus, who is a ray of light, Moses and Elijah are there, they're realizing there is no one like him. We are not worthy. He is the king of kings. He truly is the Lord of lords. There is no one like him. He is here. And in the transfiguration, when we realize that God is near, you realize that Heaven and earth are very intimately tied together. God is close. He is near. His presence is abiding. He is in us. He is with us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. When we walk through the valley, when we encounter the storm, he dwells in us. His presence is here. That Shekinah glory that these disciples experienced, that is God in us. And this is why it's so important that we not fall into the trap of looking at this world through human eyes. We have to stay focused on, on taking in the reality that we experience through the eyes of heaven, through the eyes of God, and realize there is an eternal perspective. I have an eternal destiny. God dearly and deeply loves me and cares about my soul. And at the end of the day, the most important thing to Jesus, he came here to seek and to save that which was lost. He wants us to know him. He wants us to become more like him. What does that mean? That means when I encounter Jesus, when I realize that I'm in the presence of God and that I have encountered his love for me, that I start reflecting who he is. I start modeling the nature of God in my life. What does that look like? Well, it says the fruit of the spirit, the fruit in your life of, of knowing Jesus and having him live in you is that my life is now marked by love, by joy, by peace, by patience, by kindness, by goodness. My life is to be known for faithfulness, for gentleness, for self-control. These are the traits of someone who is living for Jesus, who is committed to becoming more like him. See, this is a beautiful thing. Christianity, this, this movement where we choose to follow Jesus. It's not some religious structure. It is completely about this relationship that God wants to have with each and every one of us. And I want to challenge you today. Are you becoming more like Jesus? This is an unbelievable moment, the transfiguration of Jesus. He finishes off pretty strong too because God has shown them who he is. They have this realization that God is near. They've seen the Shekinah glory. They've seen Moses and Elijah and they're terrified. They're on their knees. They're covering their eyes. They don't know what to do. And here's what it says in verse seven. It says, then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone. And they saw only Jesus. As they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. I get a little overwhelmed reading that passage of Scripture because you realize that God in all of his glory, the Shekinah glory of God, where the presence of God has landed on this mountain, Jesus is a ray of light surrounded by the heroes of old, this God who is so much greater than we could ever comprehend, loves us loves you with an intimate 
love. They're terrified, right? (laughs) They're covering their faces. They don't know what to do. Jesus touches them and says, hey, hey, get up. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. I love you. And it's the response to that kind of love that changes everything. If you've encountered Jesus in your life, I want to ask you today, are you becoming more like him? Because that's what he wants you to do. If there's anything in your life that you're holding on to that you've been refusing to surrender, it's becoming a barrier between you and your relationship with God. I just want to encourage you today, let it go. Make it your commitment to look at this world through the eyes of Jesus, not through the human perspective, but through the eternal perspective, and make that commitment to become more like Jesus because he loves you with an unending and everlasting love. And I want to encourage you today, if you've never said yes to Jesus, it says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I invite you today to take that first step in your journey to say yes to Jesus and then make it your daily commitment to become more and more like him. Jesus, we thank you today for your love. We thank you that you are the King of kings, that you are the Lord of lords, that there is no one like you. And God, despite how amazing you are and how other you are, we can't even comprehend who you are and what you bring to the table. Despite this, Jesus, you love us with this extravagant love that we simply don't deserve. And so, Jesus, we just praise you today. We thank you for your love, for the mercy, for the grace, for the kindness that you show us. And God, we just say today, we commit to taking a step closer to you. Jesus, it is our heart today. We want to become more like you. We love you. We praise you today. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.